You're listening to Retail Disrupted, a podcast that explores the latest industry developments and the trends that will shape how we shop in the future. I'm your host, Natalie Berg. Hello, we are live at the Manhattan Exchange here in Cannes. This is the annual European event from Manhattan Associates, where we get to hear all the latest in supply chain trends and insights. And this year, we get to do it in a pretty fabulous location. Joining me on the podcast today is Ben Silito, journalist and editor of Green Retail World. Ben, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Natalie. Good to be here. <laughs> now, I know a lot of my listeners will know you, Ben, but perhaps you can kick us off with a few words about yourself and what you're up to these days. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, keeping myself busy, um, working for various retail trade titles uh, as a freelancer, covering technology, sustainability, pretty much the intersection where those two big themes meet. Um, three years ago, 2020, I launched Green Retail World, um, which is basically a platform to monitor retail's green agenda and, and how retailers are putting the, in the effort to, to go greener, um, focus on sustainability and sort of move move in the right direction um and yeah uh, lo and behold it's been a really interesting three years because there's loads going on in that space at the moment uh, yeah yeah i can imagine and i think we're going to talk about sustainability in a little bit more detail later on the podcast um let's get your thoughts ben we have just finished the first day of manhattan exchange we've seen a whole host of big retailers and brands descend on the south of France to talk retail and talk supply chain, customer experience. Day one is literally just ended about sort of 20 minutes ago and I'm curious to get your reaction. Did anything in particular stand out for you? Well, firstly, Natalie, the venue of Cannes has been a special <laughs> treat, must admit, can't, can't uh, ignore that, can we? Um, if there's a supply chain conference going on, it's got to be somewhere, right? So make it, make it sunny south of France coast. Although um, we are, I think we found the only windowless room in this hotel. So. <laughs> it is true. You wouldn't tell what the weather conditions are outside based on where we are right now. But it's there. I know. I took a walk down the promenade just a moment ago. Um, really, really interesting. I love these kind of events to hear what retailers are up to in, in the field. You get a real, real good insight. And uh, what was fascinating for me today was um, supply chain director uh, of JD Sports, um, Jason Cox, was um, speaking. And it's very rare for JD Sports to talk in public. So we got a whole lowdown on what they're doing transformation-wise, you know, moving from um, sort of legacy technology through to the most sophisticated stuff. Um, 18 months, two years ago, started working with Manhattan um, and, and they built a whole new warehouse management system, whole new warehouse in, in Derby in the East Midlands of the UK. Um, and they're really embracing automation, robotics, new ways of uh, developing technology uh, and, and new ways of working. Um, and yeah, it, it, JD Sports is such a fascinating story. They've got, sorry, I keep using the word fascinating, but that, that's the kind of mode I'm in right now. <laughs> um, it, it, they, yeah, they, they, a small company built in Berry in, in, you know, middle of the 20th century, late middle 20th century, um, and now they're a global player. It's a real UK success story, and I, I, I find what they're doing really, really interesting. Uh, and yeah, got a bit of insight into the robotics and the automation that's going on there. Decathlon as well also spoke today, um, and um, they've been on a real transformation journey 
opening up dedicated e-commerce warehouses uh, following the growth in, in online retail after the pandemic. Um, and it, yeah, just really interesting how different companies are approaching different things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's always great to get first a first-hand account from a retailer as to how uh, they're actually you know, enabling all of this change that we, we're, we're the ones talking about it and uh, they're the ones actually having to do it. So um, now on the topic of disruptive technologies, generative AI was a hot topic as, as it is at the moment. And it was interesting, I thought, to hear from Manhattan CEO, Eddie Capel, who really illustrated the potential of generative AI, specifically in a warehouse setting. Um, and he talked about how using real-time language-based interactions can help you to quickly diagnose and resolve everyday issues and uh, put up a couple of interesting slides which I tweeted about earlier. Um, so for example, he's, if, you could, if you're in a, in a warehouse and you want to quickly know who your three best packers uh, are that are currently assigned to picking, it will instantly give you that answer. Something that would have taken, you know, minutes, hours, days. I mean, who knows? So, just curious to get your thoughts on on generative AI and how you see um, that impacting retail. That story stood out to me as well. Um, really interesting. They're they're working on some um, really interesting a generative AI uh, deployments, aren't they? In Manhattan Towers, uh, all very much in prototype mode at the moment, but um, hoping that they'll get it out in due course. Um, I, I think you, you know you can be blown away with the the Gen AI topic. It's everyone's talking about it at the moment. Everyone's wondering what the future holds with it. Um, sometimes you can get a bit carried away and start thinking about robots taking over the world. This may be moving towards a dystopian vision, but um, from what I can see from a retail perspective is um, Gen AI is going to really make a difference in terms of some um, workforce management issues. So you highlighted, as Eddie did, um, the, the what could be done in the warehouse, speeding up decision-making, optimizing um, factory floor space, op yeah, just basically finding the right resource for the right work at the right time. Um, and, and I think that's going to have a massive impact there for sure. But yeah, likewise, I've had loads of conversations with, with retailers and suppliers lately about how they might deploy it on the shop floor as well, where mm. people can either use it to answer a customer's question, which is obviously going to be very useful and positive for the customer experience, uh, but at the same time, um, speed up HR issues. You know, sometimes you know you're looking to take some holiday and you don't know what the 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 latest um, you know internal document says about this. If 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 retailers can um, put make all these systems talk to each other and uh, use Gen AI to to access it, then you know retail retail staff can just ask a question and and they'll get their answer. Um, you know, at the yeah. not even at the touch of a button. Just to, you know, they just need to need to ask it and voice recognition. Um, so th I think that's where it's going to have a massive issue, uh, a massive impact. Um, yeah, it's not it's not necessarily the you know cr crazy out there scenarios that people think about. It, yeah. It's those day to day issues where it's going to be really really useful and just speed up operations. Yeah, that's a really interesting interesting point. And I know earlier we were talking about um, how exactly as you've sort of just illustrated this idea that AI can enable efficiencies on the back end, uh, which also frees up staff time to focus on the the more valuable customer facing tasks. So it kind of um, indirectly enhances the customer experience that way. But then, as you rightly point out, it, it can also directly elevate the customer experience if um, a, you've got AI kind of powering 
um, and those more personalized experiences, those more personalized recommendations, um, for example, you know, smart RFID-enabled fitting rooms, for example, um, where you know you might be getting changed and you want a little bit more um, hand-holding or you want some recommendations about you know what accessories might go with this outfit and that's where again I think I keep coming back to this phrase of tech enabled human touch but this is where both a, a member of staff but also artificial intelligence can deliver you some really tailored recommendations and I think that can be really powerful when it comes to elevating the, the in-store experience. So um, another interesting point from Manhattan, uh, I, I think, you know, they talked about this last year as well in Berlin. I know we were both at um, Exchange uh, last year, and it is interesting to hear how it's progressing, this whole idea of giving customers greater control post-purchase. And Brian Kinsella from Manhattan um, gave some really specific examples of how they're giving control to customers. So for example, after submitting an order, shoppers can change their shipping address, they can update quantities, they can, if they're doing click and collect, they can extend the pickup window or you know, let the retailer know when they're turning up or, and physically where they're parked if it's curbside pickup. Um, and also they can even cancel an order which seems a little bit counterintuitive at first, because you think, oh, why would a retailer want to miss out on that sale? But of course, this is all about two things. It's about improving customer satisfaction, because if you've ordered something by mistake or you've changed your mind, you want to be able to, you know, to address that quickly. But of course, it also crucially reduces return rates, which I know is a huge topic in retail right now. And yeah, I guess just curious to get your thoughts, Ben. Do you think that we'll see more retailers giving customers greater control over fulfillment? Um, big hot topic again, isn't it? Um, I know in Berlin in 2022, um, that was something I wrote a lot about following the event, um, how if you can cut down on those huge returns rates that, that retailers are seeing, that's that's one way of just improving efficiencies, improving your cost structure, and also, as we'll get to later, improving your environmental footprint as well. Um, so, yeah, that yeah, I was really, really... Um, keen to talk about this because it, it caught my eye in the early morning sessions um, and it's something I've actually spoken about on a personal basis with my wife as well you know sometimes shoppers like she's a great example of a modern shopper will buy lots and lots of things in the morning and sometimes forget what she's ordered and it will come through in the week <laughs> and uh, she has said in the past you know actually maybe we didn't need that and it's gone back as a return so that kind of mm. second option to check whether you do actually want to buy something is is actually quite useful for consumers as well because you know we live in busy lives and y y y you know you've got to get a few things so you buy buy lots but it's uh, it's only later you realize maybe you didn't need them all and then that whole returns yeah. process starts so returns process is painful for consumer uh, for retailers expensive for retailers not so good for the planet either but it's also pretty painful for consumers they don't really want to mm. get involved in the returns process they just use it because that option is there yeah. um, so it's anything that can try and cancel that process out has got to be a good thing for sure definitely you're right it's in everyone's interest to get it right you know the customer doesn't want to deal with returns the retailer doesn't want to deal with returns so it's uh yeah, it is interesting. But also, I guess, to the other, just thinking about the other side of this. So, yes, it would be good to give customers the opportunity to cancel an item. But also, I ordered something from Sephora in the week, and I had a discount code, and it was my birthday, so I had an, another discount code. And anyway, I did my full order, and then I forgot there was one thing that I wanted to add to my basket. But I thought, well, do you know what? I'm now not going to add that because then I would have to pay a delivery fee because it was, you know, it didn't meet the minimum delivery threshold so I didn't buy it 
And if I was in a store, of course, I would have just walked back into the store and then picked it up. So again, I think great to see how technology is, is sort of keeping up with um, evolving customer expectations. Absolutely. And yeah, just to add to that point, historically, Manhattan's been warehouse management system provider, but it's as lots of the senior team alluded to this week, they're getting closer and closer to the customer. And I think any technology company, no matter where they sit in the supply chain, needs to think about the end consumer more and more and more because you know ultimately that's what we're making all these decisions for yeah. um so it, yeah really refreshing to see i think yeah absolutely okay so we're going to switch gears now and talk about the manhattan 2023 omnichannel white paper which was just released earlier today it's called redefining retail what's next for shoppers and retailers i'm going to post links to it in the show notes uh, it's already on Manhattan's website. It's on your website, Ben, Green Retail World. And it's on my website, NBK Retail. I'm really excited to share with you some of the key findings from this year's research. This is the second year in a row that I worked with Manhattan on this project. It's a global study of 6,000 consumers and nearly 1,200 retailers. I think it's a really unique opportunity to take the pulse of both the consumer and the industry, and then to identify any disconnects in terms of customer expectations and retailer capabilities. Now, this research really validated my thoughts on retail and more specifically where I see retail heading. So we crunched a lot of data and then identified three key trends. So I'm just gonna quickly run through the first couple of trends because they're, um, they're linked. So the first trend is the evolving role of the store associate. And again, if anyone for anyone has listened to me on the podcast before, you know how strongly I feel about this idea of tech-enabled human touch and how when armed with the right technology, store associates have the power to not only problem solve, but also really elevate and personalize the customer experience. So this really came through in the research. That con consumers are looking to store associates for, for knowledge to help them with um, pain points and cut friction, whether that's helping them to check out on the spot with a mobile POS device or um, finding a product on the shelf or if that product is out of stock to reorder that item and then have it delivered to your home or another store or whatever's convenient for the customer. But at the same time, we're seeing this democratization of white glove service Again, something you've heard me say before. <laughs> and it's really interesting how, again, tech can help to, um, to really enable that experience for the customer. And also as we look to the future, how AI can really play a role in delivering that more personalized experience. And um, you know, just the whole idea of clienteling more generally, I think is gonna become even more relevant and even more powerful. So that's the first one. Very briefly, the second one is around the digital store. So we've called it Digital Store 2.0 because as, as we've all witnessed, the pandemic has acted as a phenomenal catalyst for digital transformation. And I think retailers have made so much progress just in the past three or four years around progressing their store digitization efforts. And this, this really came through in the research. So those are the, the two first trends. And again, they're linked because it's all about um, digitizing the physical space and equipping your staff with the right digital tools in that physical space to offer uh, a superior customer experience. 
But Ben, I have you here. You are the editor of Green Retail World. And so I'm really keen to get your thoughts on the final trend that we identified, which is the deprioritization of green purchases. So the research showed that affordability concerns are actually hindering the shift to sustainable shopping. 45% of consumers said that they still consider sustainability a top or important factor when choosing where to shop. But this is down slightly on the 50% who agreed with that statement last year. So Ben, I'm curious to get your views. Do you think that in the current climate, frugality trumps sustainability? I, I, I disagree, actually. Um, I think that the, in, the, in, in the main, retailers are still actively progressing their ESG, greener retailing strategies, um, work finding new initiatives to, to, um, to become more circular, especially in that fashion space. There's, there's, there's lots of, you know, the whole pre-loved movement is, is massive at the moment, and um, most retailers are playing in that space in some way, trying to find ways to bring back what they've sent out to the world and, and finding um, a suitable new home for it or recycling it in a responsible way. Uh, obviously, I'd need to track all those lorries back to make sure that all these retailers are doing what they say they're doing. But it's um, but I feel like the incentive is there, and there's a whole kind of demand and uh, some movement behind that circular economy, which I think is really interesting. So the stats you say about consumers deprioritizing de um, sustainability, um, I feel like that needs to be put into context. Um, it's we're living in the biggest cost of living crisis in in generations so clearly costs and uh, getting more for for more for less is, is going to be a focus for for consumers right now um just due to general affordability concerns so i don't think it's any surprise that people are looking for low cost over sustainability as the as the research shows um at the same time i don't think that you know if you ask the consumer do you want sustainable products do you want us as a retailer to deliver to you in a sustainable way of course they're going to say yes so i think it's incumbent upon the retail retailers themselves to just keep finding ways just keep trying to be more efficient keep making sure that they're transparent in their supply chain and and providing all the information possible to to customers so that um, they can make informed decisions uh, and hopefully that list of priorities will change once again once we sort of get into hopefully less of an inflationary environment um, I mean, generally very encouraged. I, I'm tracking it and really, really positive. Can I give one example quickly? Yeah, well? absolutely. So I was at the um, Curry's Repair Centre um, a few weeks ago uh, where this is circular economy in action. They've realised they can make money from spare parts, from uh, from repairing rather than just, you know, getting rid of returns and and, and damaged goods. They're, they're, they're really sort of pushing into making this a big part of their service uh, offering. So they've noticed that they can save lots of money by taking parts of technology um, that otherwise would end up in landfill and, and then using that in repairs of other goods. They're, they're, they're basically building a whole new division behind it. And, and there's so many other examples. I don't you know, Curry's is just one example of what many retailers are doing at the moment. Mm. Um, so generally very positive about this, despite, you know, that seeming uh, deprioritization prioritization I can't say that word <laughs> it's a hard word prioritization <laughs> in uh, in consumers thinking yeah, um, I, yeah so do you think it's just a blip then and that actually yeah once consumers are feeling a little bit more flush then they'll be in a position to make those greener 
purchases and more more just generally be a bit more um, environmentally conscious in the wear and their their shopping habits. I think so. And I think it's just but it's important that retailers are finding ec- good economical models of providing greener greener options um, because historically yes sustainability things have been a bit more expensive but I think more and more retailers are realizing that it doesn't have to be that way and they're becoming quite creative and, and clever in their thinking and um, I one I'm pleased to see that um, obviously lots of work to do but very encouraging steps do you think that re- uh, that sorry do you think that consumers think that the owners should be on the retailer and that they should still, you know, to your point about, yes, consumers want to behave in a more, you know, um, mindful way, but they also want convenience. And I think something that came up a lot over the past 12 hours has been that there is this disconnect between what people say they want (laughs) and then what they go and actually do. So yeah, just curious to get your thoughts. I mean, that disconnect is absolutely true, isn't it? Isn't it? And all of the surveys you see where it's 90, you know, 95% of consumers want to shop sustainably. I, you know, th- th- they we've maybe not seen that so much in the last 12 months, 24 months, but that's what we were starting to hear, you know, relatively recently. Um, people are obviously going to say yes to that specific question, but um, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's all in the nuance, isn't it? Um, I, I think it's... Uh, yeah, uh, I, I do think retailers have got a responsibility. They are they are big producers of goods, big manufacturers of goods. They are using raw materials and putting it out to the world. And I think increasingly they're going to be under pressure, and le- legislation will be coming in and is coming in for them to, you know, deal with those products as they are come to the end of their life. You, you know, yeah. it's 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 a big it's a huge topic, the whole circular economy. But I think retailers have their eyes open to it and. The clever ones are going to find ways of um, making it a commercially viable part of their business as well. Yeah, and I guess often financial sustainability goes hand in hand with environmental sustainability. And I know that's certainly been a theme of the first day of the show that, you know, it's it's no secret that it, it, not in every aspect of business, but in a lot of cases that if you're able to operate in a more leaner, um, you know, more efficiency driven way, you're able to cut costs and you're also able to you know, cut emissions as well. I mean, thinking about things like um, e-commerce deliveries. In fact, there was some interesting research, uh, sorry, an interesting stat that came out of the research where we asked consumers, again, consumers around the globe, so it'll vary greatly by market, but we asked consumers to rate their most important delivery consideration. And you probably won't be surprised with the findings. Over half, uh, so 52% said cost was the most important um, consideration. And the, se- the next most common one was length of time to deliver, because we want everything, we want it now. But only 8% of consumers ranked the impact on the environment as the most important delivery consideration. And I, I guess it's, you know, it's, it's in the wording, isn't it? Because I, I, it's, it's still, I, I think, pretty niche for people to think that, you know, to, to rate that as number one. We w- I think generally we all want to be more responsible and make greener decisions, but you know, would we rank the in, or the impact on the environment above cost or convenience? I, I don't think so. I, I don't know if we ever will. I mean, it's. I think again, this is probably down to the retailer to be able to do both those things. Yeah, I think I think you're right, isn't it? And it's not an easy fix because um, if it was, we, we wouldn't be talking about this as such a uh, such an issue. I, I I kind of maybe giving you a bit of a politician's answer, Natalie, <laughs> but. Um, 
the one thing that struck me in the exchange sessions today, um, someone mentioned the advent of technolo technology. I think it was Eddie actually in his session, and he described how you know different the computer has changed over time um, to the point where you know mobile touchscreens and and now incoming AI situation um, that, that that whole advent of technology what really frustrates me is that with that innovative thinking in the tech world why haven't we been able to fast track some of the environmental issues that we face um, there's something some food for thought from from the from the sessions today I think um, so many clever minds pushing technology frontiers but um, let's try and push that towards sustainability as well but you're right yeah. the whole making s operations more efficient and more transparent is the first step towards sustainability and most companies have realized that now not all um, but as soon as you start getting that visibility um, and you start doing things you're doing already better um, then you're away um, and I think there's it snowballs from there yeah and I guess on the topic of transparency from a customer's point of view you know customers today are hyper informed we have access to everything at our fingertips when it comes to pricing information, product reviews, ratings, everything, but not when it comes to sustainability. So I'm just curious, you know, because we're, we're so ubiquitously connected, we, we armed with, you know, as I said, our personal shopping companions, and I think our, our mobile phones have really just become an extension of ourselves. So what is stopping retailers? Do you think that it ultimately it's, it's um, I mean, don't get me wrong, retailers have made progress and, you know, I it's been like this for a long time in like the UK online grocers, for example, where you can choose that little green van for green delivery. But, you know, I think if it doesn't really impact you, yeah, you might feel a little bit better by <laughs> selecting that choice. But I don't know. I just wonder if just kind of thinking out loud here, I wonder if retailers need to be thinking, particularly for those consumers who are, uh, and again, let's face it, it is those younger consumers who really care. I'm, I'm generalizing, but that definitely came out in the research that those younger consumers really care about making those um, those those mindful choices and want re to shop with retailers whose values reflect their own. They want retailers with purpose. And I don't think retailers can hide anymore. So I'm just curious, like, could you could you see a situation, for example, where if a shopper selects no rush delivery, then they get some green loyalty points? Or, or is there, you know, can, how, how can retailers think outside the box and try to um, influence the consumer behavior they want to see? I think those kind of points for thinking greener uh, do exist. I can't think of any examples off the top of my head now because you've put me on the spot, <laughs> but there are small examples of that. Um, uh, I think this whole, yeah, I, th I think it's, it's, we're, we're still at such a nascent stage of businesses' sustainability journey and businesses realising that um, they, need, they need to be greener and that it can pay to be greener as well. But I, f I feel like... Yeah, you're going to have to be a very brave retailer to um, ins in install and deploy those greener rewards and and, gre uh, and and sort of elevate those greener options. Because if it doesn't work and the competitors don't follow you, then you've, you you you're going to lose business. It almost needs needs the whole industry to it go needs scale. Yeah. yeah, it needs to go together with this kind of thing. And I guess legislation regulation will will force that. So. Um, some of the retailers I talk to is bizarre. You hear them saying that they need the regulation. They they almost they're asking for legislation, which yeah. seems unheard of, really. 
um, but they need it as a framework to, to move towards a, what is seemingly a better direction. Yeah, well, because uh, also there's a lot of greenwashing still, right? So it's one thing if you genuinely are offering something green or you know a green service, but there's a lot of companies out there that are claiming to, and from a customer's point of view, it can like you know as a customer myself, I, I think it can be hard to kind of decipher, you know, what's the definition of organic or what's you know without some kind of um, yeah, without a framework in place that's consistent across retailers. Absolutely. Ma- another massive issue. You could do a whole podcast on this um, <laughs> itself, I think. But um, I think what the legislation coming over the hill will do and what things like the Competition Markets Authority and Advertising Standards Authority are, are doing and putting pressure on retailers not to say things they can't back up. That's forcing them to know their supply chains better, get a better understanding, more transparency of what's going on across their whole operations so that when they do make a claim, it's authentic. It's clear that it's authentic. So I think lots of the direction of travel at the moment is going to naturally push retailers into being more sustainable naturally um, and also will mean, yeah, mean they don't have to greenwash. And <laughs> we, that, that's that's going to be a good just thing. Be for green. That's going to be a good <laughs> thing for everyone. Yeah, I like to say greener rather than green because yeah. everything leaves a footprint, right? True, true. <laughs> Great. Well, listen, Ben. I think that brings us to a really nice close. Thanks so much for joining me. It's been really fun to talk all things sustainability and unpack some of the the insights from today's show. And to our listeners, I hope we were able to bring a little flavor of the conference to you. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Retail Disrupted. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the podcast, please leave a rating or review or share it with others. It really makes a difference.